Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. January by Henry Wordsworth Longfellow Janus am I oldest of potentates, forward I look, and backward, and below. I count, as God of avenues and gates, the years that through my portals come and go. I block the roads and drift the fields with snow. I chase the wild fowl from the frozen fen. My frosts congeal the rivers in their flow. My fires light up the hearths and hearts of men. David, those were the words of the American poets from Portland, Maine, where he was born. 19th century poets, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, um, with his poem called January, which I thought was rather beautiful. Did you enjoy that? I did enjoy that. Yeah. Se- I, I I particularly enjoyed the reading. And the music, maybe. The mu- and the, well, music the music was the music was the music kind of it it gives a it gives it a, a third dimension. Yeah, the music like that. So that we'll come to the reading in a second because that's I think of great significance. And that also mm-hmm. thereby hangs a tale. There's a little story, right? Um mm-hmm. but uh the music I think so that music was by Sibelius, and it was his ah, Andante. L- 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 I can't remember Andante something, um, and um, but it's one of those tracks of music where you can kind of put it under anything, and it will enhance mm. it. So actually, we could have prolonged it throughout the length and breadth of this entire the podcast, and it would have enhanced this podcast. it. And it reminded me slightly of my father-in-law mm. about ten years ago when I first introduced him to Nando's sauce, medium, mm, medium, that's a good segue, medium peri-peri sauce, you know, just medium chili sauce. Mm. And I think, I can't remember what the dish, macaroni cheese or something like that, or chips. He put it on when he was around at ours and he just dribbled a bit on there. And then he put his knife and fork down and declared, and bear in mind, he was in his sort of late sixties at the time. He said, so now I've discovered this, I'm going to have Nando's sauce with everything for the rest of my life. <laughs> Um, and ladies and gentlemen, Never Strays Far is brought to you by Nando's. <laughs> no. See, that's how you do an advert. That's how, if we were to, if we were sponsored, you tell a nice little anecdote. That's so true. You just did a Nando's advert so and true. you did it with, with care and sincerity. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. And also that's a potential avenue of revenue we haven't really explored yet. Fast food restaurants, isn't it? No. Um, nah, fast food chain. Not that they're. Fa- I wouldn't describe Nando's as a fast food chain per se. I'd describe them as a. Um, a. Uh, I'd describe them as a, a, a an institution which brings fine 
uh, Portuguese-based uh, Southern African grilling to the masses and does it in a sustainable, mm. sustainable and, and affordable way and is a, a, a democratic joy. They bring colour to the high street. They do, they, so much better than what I said. <laughs> you're, you're in charge. You're in charge of uh, inventing the slogans. So that was the music. So the music was by Nando's, uh, by the famous Norwegian composer Sibelius Nando, uh, uh, and his Perry Perry Suite. Um, could have had this, Melinda. Could have had this. Could have had all of this, and you threw it away. Like most people right now are throwing away their Melinda apples. They're just picking them up. Disgusting. Picking them up in the fruit bowl, giving them a little squeeze, noticing that they've gone a bit soft and there might be one yeah, or two little black bruised hard. spots in there or possibly a little hole in the skin where an insect has burrowed in and they're throwing them away right now across the world. Oh, by Filthy the way, things. by the way, David, I looked at our end of year analytics. Did you have a little look at that? I, I didn't do the year, just the, the, the calendar year. Tell me. Well, uh, I, I didn't look at it in any, any detail whatsoever, except um, it, they popped up, a little thing popped up saying, where do most... This is really amazing, actually. Where, oh, it's Lewisham. It's literally half a mile from my house. It's Blackheath Lewisham. It's, it's half a mile up the th- road. Uh, this is just... Th- I've seen that before. I've always, I've always noticed that tracking in the analytics is that most of our listeners are in southeast London. That's insane because podcasting... It's insane. I, d- I don't think it's a good thing. <laughs> I don't think it's got legs. I don't think it's something we need to tell him. Nando's. Well, unless Nando's are... Look- Do you have a Nando's in Lewisham? Oh, we got, yeah. We have lots. Yeah, we have a premium Nando's in Lewisham, okay. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know how that sticks together, but I was surprised. Yeah, Blackheath is... Um, Blackheath... So give yourselves a pat on the back. If you're... Because we, haven't, we, haven't we spoken about Blackheath as a park run? Um, no, because no, there isn't a park run Where in Blackheath. There should be, but Why not? Blackheath is famous for David being the start of the um, London Marathon. It's where everyone assembles. Oh, that's where I should have been a couple of years ago when I was planning to do that. I spent New Year's Eve. I spent New Year's Eve on Blackheath at, at about uh, yeah at about um, eleven o'clock. Kath and I wandered up the hill to, onto Blackheath, and we met with two friends, or well, bunch of friends actually, but from two other households and we kind of triangulated our positions and we sat at a at a there's a there's a cafe that was obviously closed but it has a kind of pub table at the back that was just open on the common and we sat there mm. and we bought mince pies and a few drinks and in a thermos and we sat there and saw the new in uh, the new year in um on the middle of blackheath and it was absolutely did somebody have a guitar did you sing songs i had a bugle with me of course you A did. battered military bugle that I bought for one of my kids when they were very little. And um, mm. actually, I didn't buy it. Our neighbours bought it. But anyway, um, it's it's old, old knacker thing. And I can just about, at half a push, I can play the last post. So on the chime Ooh, of the thing, yeah. I played the last post on a military bugle. And all of London kind of lit up with fireworks. It was actually, I'm not a big fan of, That's amazing. I'm not a big fan of New Year's Eve. But um, it was a good one, actually. It was a good one this year. It's mm. yeah. good. It's, it's a lovely ceremony. What? If you... So, so you didn't, so that was the the biggest takeaway from our analytics is that most of our listeners are in Southeast London. Just up the road, I might as well just, yeah. I might as well just, you know, do a recording and just drop it round. Cassettes, cassettes, through your, you know, here's yeah, your podcast on, on your bike. <laughs> on my bike. Yeah. Just pop it through the letterbox. <laughs> Junk. Oh, never straight far has just arrived. It's just literally, it's dropped. You should get, um, you should set up a a, a local uh, radio station. 
Well, it's kind of what I'm doing, David, except that it's not what I intended to do. I intended to have, okay. you know, be the co-host of a podcast with global, global reach. Um, you know, I, I... Yeah, there's some work to do. I, I basically, you know... Oh, but on that, mm. yeah, it's, it's really hard to get global reach because it costs loads of money. Right. Like loads of money. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm kind of finding that out. You're like talking... What, like more than 50 quid? Probably. No, actually, that's that's not that's for each probably within our segment we're looking around fifty to sixty pounds per customer acquisition. What? Yeah, that's ex- mm. that's a lot, and that's kind of yeah, mm. it's pretty nuts, isn't it? And that's you're talking about digital. Well, actually, that's probably everything now. And you know, because obviously you know certain things. There's also Google have within this, and I think within our segments as well, because the competition you're talking in certain areas, 148 US dollars per customer acquisition. And that's not, we're not talking about podcasts, we're talking about cycling apparel. Okay. All right. So we've, we've drifted slightly from the podcast world to the cycling apparel world. But it would cost us Mm -hmm. to, with our, with our podcast, I, I take a wild stab in the dark Mm -hmm. in order to, to break free of Blackheath and Lewisham, (laughs) it would cost us. Probably fifteen twenty pounds per per listener. Wait, so we've got like we've got tens of thousands of listeners, right? I, yeah. I mean, I'm you know yeah. I'm spinning that figure slightly, but but it's definitely slightly, in that ball. No, no, it's, no, it's in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And if we'd had to pay fifteen quid to get each of them, well, that's what that's what our value is because we were leveraging that off our organic growth because of the people who already follow us who are our um, who are stuck buyers who, who believe in thin, us, who yep, are interested yep. in, through thick and thin, who are curious in our ventures and our our randomness and just the things we talk about. Yep. But most other people have to buy those people, mm. and we're giving things to people. That's the kind of it's a it's a transactional relationship. Mm. They follow us, and that helps us keep doing it, even though nando's aren't going to sponsor us well you don't know that in the near future well, you don't know that for sure do you we've only yeah. just opened the dialogue but, with but nando's it, but it does mean yeah. that some of the people that listen will buy the road book or uh, buy stuff from chapter three yeah that, that, that's that, pretty that, cool that's very true that's very true and it's like that's that's the quid pro quo i do feel like it's it's quite extraordinary how because we're podcasting a little bit less frequently now because there's nothing going on mm. how it's we've almost fallen we've done this before though fallen into this habit where at the beginning of every podcast, we have to kind of analyze and justify why we're even doing it. It's a bit self-help, mm. isn't it? It's a bit... It's existential. It's ex- existential. It's a talking therapy of sorts. It's, yeah. Well, I think because genuinely we don't know why we're doing yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Really. Uh, no, but no, it's that's not true. We enjoy talking that's to true. each other. That's true. That's true. Mustn't forget. That's that. number one. Ah, no. And, um, so, yeah. I, we've forgotten. I So, we talked about the music and the music being a bit like, <laughs> a bit like Nando's, Yeah. David, yeah. um, that was ten, ten minutes. Was ten minutes ago, <laughs> um, but much more important than the music was the voice. Who was quoting yes. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and the voice belongs to. Um, well, I was going to say your friend and mine, but that might be overegging it slightly. Although I'm not sure mm. it is because I think we bonded. I don't think it is. Yeah, I think we're very. Fun. I think it, it it feels like one of those those moments in time where time stopped. Where we arrived in the Alps at this lovely hotel, and we'd been a little bit mercurial and left everybody and raced out of there. And so we got to this nice little hotel. Oh, it's, be- it's a lovely hotel, wasn't it? Lovely so when hotel. you wait, 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 um, was this 2016 or 2017 or something like that? 2016, it feels like it feels like ages ago. 
I think you're right because I think yeah. I think I think we were on the prototype chapter three Bromptons, weren't we? Which I've still got. Yeah, we were a first year. You're right. Was, yeah, yeah. I so think it's that the, one, like the pre V one mm. chapter three Bromptons. So we were super stealth, and, uh, and so, so we got there, and it was just the restaurant. And, but uh, it was often we stay in quite crappy hotels. It's just the best way of describing it. Occasionally, we get a, a nugget, yeah, like a little respite of old school kind of local character filled and this is one of those places we walked in we sat down at a table and the table it was empty and it's closing as usual there was a table next to us with this long-haired dude and his dog sitting next to him yeah and um there was this long-haired dude and he was on the table next to us and he looked very out of place he looks like somebody from the 1970s not 60s probably mid to late 70s I'm thinking i'm thinking that's about right yeah 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 and um and he kind of at one point we're sitting there talking and and this is funny we were in a little bit of our anti-social moment just you and me talking and he heard us speaking english he leant across and said hey hey where are you guys from <laughs> and he had this mid-atlantic drawl he wasn't american no was an American, no. 100%. But he wasn't kind of English no. either. He's a citizen of the world. He's a citizen of the world. And and so he engaged us in conversation and, well, you can tell the well, rest. Well, I like to think, in my memory, he had a kind of um, oil skin, like maybe with a mm. collar folded up kind of jacket a little bit, vibes, and a bit cowboy boots. Possibly even with some mm. sort of like ironware hanging off the side of them, you know, like st- mm. that kind of vibe. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure he had a dog at his, at mm, his side. Dog. Yeah, black, the black dog. And, had yeah, a black dog. With a, with a little, I don't think he had a conventional dog lead. I think it was maybe a bit of rope. Um, mm-hmm. And um, we got talking, didn't we? And he, I think he recognized you certainly and me a little bit um, mm. because he'd been watching the tour for years and years and years. And um, mm. wanted to engage and talk about the tour, and uh, it was it was great. And we found out that this chap's name was Tom Moriarty, and that he is great name, great, great name. name, and that Tom is was and forever will be a um, singer songwriter of some note, um, who sings a lovely kind of lyrical singer songwritery type stuff. Um, got a beautiful voice, bit bit halfway between, I'd say, kind of. Uh, Leonard Cohen and mm. maybe a little bit bits a bit softer than that it's kind of lovely lyrical stuff but just of late so I, a little bit, a little bit yeah. Cohen Lennon what John Lennon Cohen Lennon yeah a little bit Lennon oh, yeah. so he's, got a, he's a wordsmith for a, a start bit, yeah 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 he's a bit of a wordsmith yeah, yeah. and Billy Joel and he's that's kind of was his combo a bit Billy Joel I'm just looking at a picture of Tom now mm. he's had some great reviews mm. down the years including um, but Guitarist magazine says for fans of Ben Harper, Ray Lamontagne, and Van Morrison, five stars. And Tom, can you remember why he? Because yeah. he was just on the road, wasn't he? Was he? Just he was on the road with the dog. He mm. did have a dog, didn't he? I haven't made that up. He no, no, no. I remember vividly the dog. So Tom, it was him and his dog. Yeah, and that was yeah, it. Yeah. So we spent the evening together, and I think we saw him again at breakfast, and he was just going to hang out, go around, walking, and then maybe catch a bit of the bike race. Um, mm-hmm. him and his dog then, you know, and we subsequently kind of 
post, you know, we followed him on, on in social media and Tom used to post wonderful kind of wholesome messages about nature and, you know, and all this kind of thing. And then he went quiet for a few years. He got a bit angry during Brexit. <laughs> I remember. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. You've been, you've been monitoring. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, checking his analytics out. But, you know, he's a citizen He's a citizen of the world. So, you know, he's quite right to get a bit angry about Brexit, I suspect. Um, and uh, and then he went quiet for the last couple of years. And then just recently he's resurfaced in my, you know, just sporadically. And he posts um, poems that he loves and he just reads them for, why not? He posts he posts oh his po- he, on on YouTube Tom Moriarty's poems and he just reads them in this lovely voice and he sele- he's got a really interesting selection of poems and it's um, a pleasure to listen to him and I I may have infringed his copyright by by stealing his um do you think, intellectual property do you think do we should get Tom Moriarty on the pod I mean I mean I've always felt that I uh, it's it's the missing link yeah I've always felt that I've always felt that and to have him as a special coming in. Yeah. Kind of occasionally, oh, Tom. That where's would be Tom? magical because I reckon Tom gets around a bit. Where's you know, Tom? like where's Tom? And Tom will just. Well, pop Tom, up. that was the thing. Cause he, he was because he's he's just he's one of those uh, traveling Wilburys. He's a traveling. You know? Well, he was a traveling Wilbury without actually being in the traveling Wilburys. You know, but I know mean. what you mean. But yeah, but that yeah. that would be good. And <laughs> be great. Yeah, 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 that's super cool. All right, so that's. Uh, well, what else is going? Well, on? I tell you what. Going let's um. Creason? Let's 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 start the podcast and um have the jingle. So bike racing, David. Um, I've built it online already. As uh, this is your opportunity to round up all the um, you know, all the closed season action. Uh, My to bring us up to speed with all. Yeah, your opportunity to, you know, because you'll have kept your finger on the pulse, I'm sure, with what's going on in both road and cross and um, mm-hmm. track, uh, you know, all the disciplines of cycling. Yeah, um, um, yeah definitely. So okay. Um, I, can you tell us? I can tell you that Wout van Aert's won nine of the ten races he's entered in his cyclocross, concluding... No, it, I, seriously, is that a fact? That's a fact. Concluding in the Belgian National Championships... This was Sunday just gone, a few days ago. The only race he didn't win, he crashed, so he made a mistake. That's his fault. Was that, that was the one that... Pidcock, Pid- Pidcock Pidcock, Pidcock yeah, yeah, Pidcock won that. And yeah. taking nothing away from little Tom, it's, yeah. uh, you know, you got to build him. you got to beat him. You don't crash, you put him under pressure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Pidcock is doing the Worlds yeah. cyclocross in the States. In the States. Well, I don't know isn't, where it where isn't. Is- uh, yep. Well, Van Aert isn't because yeah. he's just like he's just been using his training to one of the classics. I think. Yeah. He doesn't need yeah. the stripes. Uh, Matteo Van der Poel turned up for one. Pretty amazing. Yep. Just turns up for one. Gets second. Yeah. Yep. His knee kind of goes and or his back, yep. and then he's out again. But that's classic. Van der Poel just turns up, gets second, not too far off first, mm. and disappears out again. Van der Poel's yeah. thinking about something else. Um. So that's cyclocross uh, in a nutshell. He's a little bit. Matthew van der Poel is a little bit prone to injury, isn't he? Yeah, uh, I, he's a, a little bit. Yeah, he's a little bit. I think. Um, yeah, he is. I think also he's a perfectionist, so he doesn't. Ooh, that's interesting. He doesn't, he doesn't go through. He doesn't. He's uh, very objective driven, so he will. He doesn't see the point, and he's very happy to take 
a whole three two week two months out racing to yep. accomplish something so if something's yep. slightly wrong he's like oh no let's go away and fix it he doesn't need yeah. validation there's the thing Mathieu van der Poel does not need validation yeah because he's so confident in what he's doing so if he yeah. drops in and it's slightly not right he'll step back out and go and get a fix and come back to win yeah. so he's a he's a very special character in that sense well van yeah. art is almost kind of pushing through because he's the the monkey on Bart van art's back is Mathieu van der Poel kind of strange that he's committed so wholehearted well i know he missed the beginning of the cyclocross season mm-hmm. this year but you know since he's kind of joined in he's been like you say nine out of ten victories and mm-hmm. one mechanical or accident or whatever it was that prevented him from winning the other one it's some um, and that and then he was saying white van Aert was saying now now he's off to join up with jumbo visma their altitude training mm-hmm. camp or wherever the, i presume that yeah, off to do the day job. And then he kind of like slightly disingenuously, you know, but very modestly said, um, oh, I'll probably be the first to be dropped at the training camp, won't I? Because I've just been doing cyclocross. <laughs> I don't know if he'll be the first no, to be dropped. The rest of his team will be like, mm, you won't be. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, by the uh, way, talking about Jumbo, Jumbo Visma, David, they announced, they've announced six of their, you know, all things just, being permitted yeah. Tour de France team. It's just insane because Rowan Dennis has joined them now. So, you know, so you've got Roglic and Vingegaard, who they've announced as joint leaders. Well, not joint leaders, but they're both leaders, whatever that means. I don't know. There's a slight yeah, semantic it's, it's, difference, it's a, isn't there? Yeah, it's just, that's a hedging. Yeah, but it's it's interesting the difference between saying they're joint leaders and mm. they're both leaders. Mm. I think there is a slight let's, difference. Let's, there. Put, I'll, I'll, let's put it this way. In Team UAE, Teddy Pogacar will not have a joint leader. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. That kind of it goes yeah. to show. If you've got somebody who's going to win it, you don't need a joint leader. Yeah. So yeah. I guess uh, Jumbo Jumbo are still. Jumbo. What are we? Jumbo Jumbo. Yum, yum, well, with the, with the same thing we've been for years, David. Jumbo. <laughs> you just can't remember, can you? Jumbo. Jumbo no, Visma. Jumbo Visma. Yeah. Jumbo. Jumbo. Um, okay. With Jumbo, I think they're just still <laughs> hedging bets. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but they've got so many bets to hedge, haven't they? It's brilliant. So they've got them two, plus Kreisvik, Dennis. Oh my god! Sepp it's Kuss, a pretty amazing team. Sepp Kuss and Wat van Aert. That's Sepp. the six they've announced. So they've announced, David. I'll reiterate: Primoz Roglic, Jonas Vingegaard, Rowan Dennis, just to knit it all together. Wat <laughs> van Aert, <laughs> Sepp Kuss, and Stephen Kreisweg. I mean, and they've got two berths empty that they haven't said. And don't forget, they don't they don't take a sprinter to the tour next year because they got rid of old. Um, Dylan Grunewagen, didn't they? So, <laughs> were, you, were you being ironic? And I say this total sincerity because I, I, I like Ron. But we said Ron to knit it all together. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> like he's like a daisy bomber. <laughs> <laughs> he he could do either. I, he could go either way. <laughs> okay, but there are two things about Ron. I mean, there are lots of things about Ron Dennis. In fact, the last time, in fact. The last time I saw Rowan Dennis was around in your, in yeah, your studio, at Chapter yeah. 3. I spent a whole afternoon with him. He was He's absolutely lovely. brilliant. He was yeah, su- we had brilliant. such good fun. It was great fun. Yeah. But but he is two things. Like, he is two things. He's off the bike. Insane. You know, as insane. you say, like, like um, what do you call it? Cluster bombs going off everywhere. Yeah, cluster bombs. <laughs> this is a daisy bombing. 
Um, just pushing and, people's buttons on, left, right, and centre. But but when he yeah. when he's when he's when he's riding in a stage race on a bike, not as a leader, he is the glue, isn't he? Because you know, with, arguably without Ron Dennis being the super glue that he was, Teo Gegenhardt doesn't win the Giro d'Italia in. 20, <gasps> Uh, just, 20, just, right? just, why, just sorry, I'm just going to totally segue yeah. again, just very briefly. So I went on social media uh, two or three weeks ago. So I took the apps off, so I dip on on my computers um, uh, for for stuff that Yeah, curiosity. you've been quiet, man. You've been yeah, quiet. I, I, I basically removed it off my apps. To, no, to good on you. No, lower, lower. Just uh, yeah, not yeah. making a deal out of it, just to avoid yeah. distraction from my, my Well, you've head. made a big deal out of it now, just saying it on a podcast. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've made a super big deal of it, and everyone just leave me alone. But um, uh, <laughs> but what I did see during that was, uh, I think it was Pro Cycling Stats or something, does a uh, rate, rank your, the fa- the, the, your favourite pro bike riders. Yeah, I didn't and, really understand what they were doing. I, so, I noticed so, they were doing something. I but, didn't really get it. But I just want to say this. I think I was like 150. It might have been 250th or 255th. You? Okay. Or 100. Or, or I'll, I'll throw myself back, maybe 100, 155th. Uh, but you know who was placed behind me? Rowan Dennis. Teo Gegenhardt. Um, yeah. So, you know what? I've still got it. you still got it, David. So, is that, what is that based on? Is that based on people it's, clicking it's, it's, on your it's profile? Popular vote. Or? It's popular vote. Oh, it's a it's vote. Just, it's a vote. It's, it's the, the user's vote. Oh. So, you know, it's, um, it's customer right. votes, client votes. It's the people. It's the people who have chosen. I'm well, they one, don't always get the people don't always get things right. Don't so they? I'm either 155th, yeah, or 255th, yeah, and Teo's 156th or 256th. So you know, I just want to say that. Just want to put that out there. Well, I think you're. I think you're right. I think you're right to um to make that point, and you made it very well. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Um, and the other thing, so Rowan Dennis, glue or not glue, um. The other thing he said was that, um, and I just sort of skimmed a headline today, so I don't know any details, unsurprisingly, because I don't read that much cycling stuff, especially not off-season. But he said something about, yeah, well, one of my reasons why I've moved to Ine- um, to Yumba Visma is because I noticed that at Ineos, they were beginning to look at what Yumba Visma were doing and kind of take their lead from them and copy them. Nice. Which I thought was quite interesting. That is interesting. I mean, what, did, what did Team Ineos say about his departure? I don't know. Yeah. But did you see? Did you see the um, the video that Jumbo Visma launched a couple of weeks ago? Is it ten days ago, a week or so no. ago, with the um, drone footage of their new service course in the Netherlands? No, is it like McLaren or something? Oh, so it's a micro drone, tiny little HD drone thing <laughs> going through yeah. doors. Oh, and, and it stuff. just it just goes and it goes into this big anonymous looking warehouse on the outskirts of some anonymous looking town in the Netherlands and it skips in you know and you kind of follow a rider in through the roads into this approach rider, and all of a sudden you're at this um, big warehouse and it scoots in through the big entrance doors and then you see this kind of huge array of um, trucks and vehicles and all their big things stacked up and by god they've got a lot of big vehicles when you see them all together like that mm. and then you kind of go into their literally flew straight in without a single cut into their kitchen galley, went through the kitchen where food was being prepared out the back side of that and then straight nice. into where the bikes were all wrapped up. up and then up. It's Honestly, it goes on and on and on. And you're looking at that going, that place is genuinely huge. That is mm-hmm. genuinely huge. And for the first time, I think ever, I thought that looks like a proper global sports with serious mm. money behind it. That looks like football or... Mm. 
or, Formula One or something. You or, know, that looks amazing. It's a decline and fall of a team when you start well, to show off behind the scenes. That is a very interesting point. Mm. Very interesting. Philosophical a, point there. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's about it's the results, isn't it? That's what matters. Yes, indeed, David. Yes, yeah. indeed. Mm. Um, eventually, we'll get some racing underway this season, won't we? I, I think the, the um, obviously, the Tour Down Under was cancelled months ago and won't happen. I know. I feel sorry but for Stuart O'Grady because he is Stuart O'Grady, my oh, oh, dear friends. And he yeah. was made the director of the race, and it was such a brilliant thing that he, he hasn't became directed direct- a race yet, has he? No, I don't, I don't I, think. I saw a picture of him with his head out of a car at something, but you know, it was, yeah, well, was they a did really big last for him. year, and I guess this year they're having their, you know, it's mm. just a domestic kind of race yeah. instead, isn't it? For the, all the domestic, so it's teams, super so. gutting, you kind of, yeah. and I think it's really difficult for the kind of the whole Australian scene as well because that race had become quite was really helping the Australian racing scene, and we're starting to get some traction. You know, now it's just yeah. been taken off the grid. So, yeah. thankfully, it'll be Djokovic back though. That will be back, wouldn't it? It's a, yeah. I mean, what I'm, I've heard no talk about the worlds being in Wollonga this year, though. I mean, yeah, that's true. Be, that was supposed to happen, not, wasn't it? Not a foregone. Well, it should still happen. I mean, it's supposed to still happen. How do you I mean, feel about Djokovic, by the way? Oh, I love that story. I love that story so much. It's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? On so many levels. Mostly, I have to say, it's been augmented and enhanced by his bonkers family of Serb nationalists. <laughs> yeah, what's the scoop? So that, that's why Farage was visiting them because they're oh Farage. Yeah, obviously Farage had to get involved, didn't he? Yeah, because yeah, and then and then so Farage gets <laughs> Farage Farage gets fully involved in a tennis story. Yeah, <laughs> by going out to Belgrade and backing the. I mean, they are genuinely kind of worryings. By the way, the background to all of this, to be serious for a second, is that Bosnia and Herzegovina is on the brink of another civil war. You know, Seriously? The, 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 um, huh. the Serb Holocaust-denying nationalists are on the march again in Bosnia and Herzegovina and threatening the, <laughs> threatening the Bosniak population. So on the one hand, I can laugh about it. On the other hand, I can't laugh about it. But, what, what, mm. you know, from the, from the Farage perspective, he's kind of like gone in there thinking this is a populist anti-authoritarian thing that i can get behind um so i'm going to seriously meddle in tennis now <laughs> yeah and get involved in tennis and then andy murray tries oh, to put him brilliant. away well does put him away on twitter yeah. doesn't he and saying you know um by the way uh they'll be shocked when you find out when you get there that you've campaigned your whole life to keep eastern europeans away from any form of gainful employment in the united <laughs> kingdom and then he comes oh. back saying, uh, just stick to tennis, will you, and leave the politics to the big boys. And you're going, well, we, we, we leave the tennis to the tennis players then, Farage. Yeah. Oh, God. Andy Murray's yeah. like a fine wine, isn't he? Yeah, he's a very dry wine. A very dry, like a fine hard wine. hard to appreciate fine wine, a salty wine. Maybe like, um, have you ever drunk um, from the Bordeaux region a Vin de Grave? No, oh, grave, yeah, I have. Grave, yeah. grave. Yeah, it's a little very, bit very salty. I think very mm. extremely dry, kind of. He's one of them. He'd be a van de grave, I think. He's a hidden treasure. We gotta, Where you I go, think... sometimes you sometimes you drink mm. a van de grave and you go, I'm not sure about that. But if you paired it with a very mm. kind of, you know, luscious. I, I'm going to say this out loud. I think I'd like to be friends with Andy Murray. Well, you're both Scottish sporting icons. Yeah. So I think by rights, you should just have his number. Have you not got his number? No, never met him. I think maybe my, my doping thing kind of 
caused some issues with him, but you know, we're young. <laughs> There's time. I don't want to say about that, but <laughs> you'd yeah. like what well, you think you'd like him. I, I think, think I yeah. might like him. I think he might like me as well. You know. Well, that's a big. That's a leap. I mean, no, no. I'm saying. Well, no, I'm sure he's he like you, David. <laughs> no, I mean that's always like when you're kind of you're punting for friends. I'm sure he would like you. Well, I mean, we can turn this into a really like strange Tinder. viral Twitter thing, I think. Get Tinder David cast. to... Get, get, get Andy Murray. Yeah, a campaign. Hashtag Andy talk to David or something. So, you know, so he can reach out to you. But I mean, you, you know, name name right. a bigger sporting Scottish sporting icon than David Miller and Andy Murray. Uh, Kenny Dalglish. I just yeah, he's pretty sorry. Good. There's a few. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Alex Ferguson. Alex Ferguson. Yeah. Gordon Strachan. Mm. Doddy um, Weir. Yeah. Uh, quite a few rugby players. And um, li- uh, oh, uh, Liz McColgan. Yeah, she's pretty good. Um, yeah. There's a few, isn't there? Uh, oh, um, Chris Hoy. Probably Andy's Chris Hoy. He's really good. Sir Chris, Chris Hoy. Hoy. <laughs> Sir Chris. Craig Hoy. McLean. Uh, Archibald. Steve Archibald, Barcelona football player. Yeah. He's much bigger than me. That's yeah, nice. There've been, been, been a few actually. Scott, but, what about golfers? It? What about golfers? Got to be oh yeah, Scottish. Sandy Lyle. Sandy yeah, Lyle. Very good. Bernard Gallagher was he Scottish? Yeah. Willie Miller. Yeah. Um, uh, racing drivers. Oh, David Coulthard. Damn it, Jackie Stewart. Joe Dario Franchetti. Dario Franchetti. Jackie. Right? So Jackie Stewart. So Jackie Stewart. Just off the top of my head, all bigger than David Miller, I, th- I think. But so I was probably about twenty-two, twenty-three. So all I'm saying is that Andy Andy Murray's kind of like list of people that he wants to be friends with who are equivalent sporting scar- stars from Scotland might be quite congested and you might have to wait your time a little bit. But, but that's not to say we can't, you know, get a petition going of some description. Just, you know, it's worth a go, isn't it? <laughs> Just like a coursing pint. <laughs> Where? <laughs> what do I think of Djokovic? Do you know what I think of Djokovic is I think um, with a, a degree of kind of um, r- sort of introspection about this and, and consideration, I think he should probably just get vaccinated. Mm. And if he doesn't want to get vaccinated, which I think is now kind of quantifiably a stupid and selfish thing to do mm-hmm. or to decide mm-hmm. if he if if he really wants to go out on a limb fly in the face of all the evidence and all the mm-hmm. social responsibility that goes with it and bear in mind what my some of my family members have to put up with in terms of their workplace mm-hmm. um i would uh i would go further than that and i would say you know if he do, if he really can't bring himself to put this as he considers it um untrustworthy uh, foreign body in his into his bloodstream then he should um take that decision make that decision private and stop banging on about it and i think mm. that if he um ever tests positive for covid he should self-isolate like the rest of us do and not infect people and i have mm. every sympathy despite the fact that he might his position might be being played for politics a little bit in australia I have every sympathy for the man on the street in Melbourne who doesn't want him anywhere near their city. Yeah. And, They've had a rough uh, time, Australia, as well. 
and they've had a really rough time. You mm. know, whether or not it's been the right policy or not, I don't know. But it's been mm. the policy, and that's the conditions yeah. under which they've lived. And for exemptions to be made for millionaires like Djokovic, and, and a lot of the blame must lie with, I'm sure, with the Australian Open organisation, who've obviously sold them an absolute curveball, or, yeah. or, 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 um, or just acqui- acquiesced to his kind of well, compromised just, thinking. But it's an absolute mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially okay. when you consider David, because we started talking about Australian. You considered, you know, you're you were full of sympathy for your friend Stuart O'Grady, mm. and I am, and I'm full of sympathy mm. for Australian mm. cycling. Yeah. You know, because kind of the races there, and then dudes just flying in twenty twenty first Grand they've, Slam because they've just looked at it and they've gone, yeah. it's unfeasible. We can't get all we can't get all the riders in and out of Australia. Yeah, you know, it just won't it won't happen. Whereas Australian tennis have just gone now. Nah, we need Djokovic, don't we? So anyway. <sighs> Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. cynical about that. Yeah. Where um, else? What else did we have plans to talk about? No, kits. Well, Can we talk about I, kits? Yeah, let's talk about kits because it's what people do at this time of year in the cycling yeah. calendar. I mean, I, I don't know, David. I, I struggle to kind of have too strong an opinion. Um, I would say that I have quite enjoyed the thing that's gone on, although I haven't followed it very closely with the, in the Women's World Tour, mm. where is it three different teams have come up with essentially the same design? Yeah, and it's purple then, and blur it and yeah, kind some of orangey, lavender, some kind of lavender and some orange. Yeah, yeah, f- quite faded kind of thing. Mm. And um, and uh, and one other non-UCI team did the same thing, and that was Andy Schleck's team women's team yeah. and they were the ones who got told to change <laughs> even though yeah. i think they'd registered theirs first or something i don't know i don't know so um uh that's been a bit of a storm in a teacup and a bit of a silly mm. ferrari but it is i think it's really interesting we did a we did an infographic in this year's um or last year's i should say roadbook about predominant colors mm. in the pelotons and i think we'll i think we'll probably do that every year actually because it does change quite markedly really quite quickly and it is yeah. really interesting when you build it up over time I don't know what don't know what this year's predominant colour is really, David. Have you figured that out? Yeah. Having a man on apparel as you as you do? Dark dark blue. Blue seems to be in a lot of places. I I tell you what I think, and I'm just looking through kind of I think, and this is quite a the women's FDJ kit yep. is incredibly elegant. Yep. It's beautiful. It's predominantly blue, isn't it, with white cuffs? Yeah. And and they win because they're the only team that the national champion. Uh, there's no sponsors on there, so that's uh, totally. I'm a little bit disa- behavior. I'm a little yeah. bit disappointed that they've got the clothing apparel brand on there because you should just have. It's almost a policy that there's just no branding on there. Um, but the women, the, the kit's beautiful. It's got white the arms and then this navy blue and red looks much better than the men's kit which stays it's it's white predominant and blue it's and red. unchanged isn't it i i can't see any difference i think it's pretty much one thing because i'm personally invested in this even though mm-hmm. i'm 45 and it's been many years is coffees coffee oh, yeah they've changed. gone they've gone it's the biggest single change in in a Ever. decade isn't it with them two Ever. decades 25 years yeah, yeah. 20 the quarter star, of a century the old- the, no, the yellow sun has gone. Exactly. It? So, I mean, I was doing a, I did a podcast with Bobby Julik, who was my roommate and my teammate in 1997 when I, when I turned pro. And then I was writing something to him afterwards and it was 25 years ago. That's a quarter of a century. We were <sighs> living and racing mm. together as pros. And 
and that kit's essentially always been the same. So when I saw this yep. new one come out, I was like, oh, that's actually really elegant. And they've gone for the yeah. vertical positioning of the brand. So it's kind of gone a little bit what AG2 are, who still win, in my opinion. The the AG2 La Citroën Mondial, their kit is so cool. It's so disruptive with that diagonal branding. All yep, of a sudden, you don't notice the brand. You don't, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really good. Astana... They suck balls. That just looks terrible. Barring Victoria's. <laughs> well, to be fair, their country is undergoing political turmoil and the president yeah. of Kazakhstan has ordered his armed forces to shoot on sight. So they've got bigger concerns, yeah. I think, other than, yeah, sh- you know, whether or not your kit... Design. You know, yeah. like David Miller doesn't think the kit looks great. Yeah. Barring Victoria's nice. A few shapes. Colours are yeah. good. Uh, a little- kit. I'm just looking at that confidence kit again, David. It's really good, isn't it? It's elegant. It's beautiful. It's really good. Um, Bora really Hansgrohe have done really well, but it's it's very similar to Bahrain Victorious in the well, sense except the kind it's of, a, well, except it's a totally different colour. The colour, but it's still using the kind of blocking and the same sort of oh, design okay. sort See, of principles. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. So I, it does, I do wonder blocking mm. whether, because Lacole sponsored Bahrain Victorious last year, I wonder yeah. if they had an in-house designer that's transferred... Because it uh, looks like the same design language uh, across uh, Byron Victorious and Bora Hansgrohe. Bora Hansgrohe is very nice, by the way. It's very nice. Mm, um, and then we're going into the women's Mobi, teams. Mobi's, Ine- uh, Ineos Mo- Grenadiers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. A bit disappointed. M- move on. Um, yeah. Lotto Sudal are pretty much the same. Movistar have gone all dark blue, haven't they? With a yeah. with a light blue M. Yeah, they've been leading for a while and all of a sudden it's gone a bit meh. So Movistar's meh, if we had a scale. Um, I'd say men's FGJ is meh. I'd say Ineos Grenadiers meh. Um, Israel Startup still looks like Salvio's team in Italy. Yeah. You know, it's just, what are they doing? Do you know, do you know what I think is absolute... I mean, I don't, you know me, I don't really have a strong opinion. I think all yeah. cycling kits, almost by definition, are ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but because people, we've often spoken about this, people don't look cool in cycling kits. Yeah, no, it's very Especially as yeah. soon as they step off a bike, yeah. they look ridiculous. And even yeah. when they're on the bike, they look. So, um, but one kit I think is really poor. And, and I'll tell you why I think is Bike Exchanges kit, which is. Why? So blue. Well, so, but they've gone for this blue, light blue, blue shorts, See? and then it kind of fa- fades up to a kind of ba- powder blue top in the men's team. And then the light blue shorts with a pink trim for the women's team fades up to sort of powdery pink. Mm. And I'm literally thinking, is that where we're at? Is that where we're at? Have you read the room? (laughs) Is this 2022? Or is that Mm. how you think men and boys and girls should be differentiated? I think it's an Mm. absolute abomination. And it's such a simple simple thing to get right as well, David. Tell me, because you've... You've gone through this whole kind of like, you know, evolution, revolution in chapter three's design, haven't you? About kind of, you know, changing the way you you think about gender, changing the way you think about all sorts of things as well, sustainability. But if someone had come, you know, presented that in a focus group to you and gone, because it would be really brilliant because the boys could be powder blue and the Mm. girls could be pink. What would you have said? Uh, I don't do focus groups. And this comes from Mikkel Rasmussen, who I work with, who anthropologists etc and uh, one of the things i i also like you have a daughter and uh women have always brought me up 
And I don't have such a big deal with pink and purple. Um, I, I don't think it's a talking point. I know loads of the girls. I know Maxine, my daughter, loves pink and lavender, loves different colors to boys. Now, we then position this as men as because men don't like those colors, so women shouldn't wear them. Uh, so I'm going to be a little bit of an agent provocateur on that one. I'm going to say I love the Bike Exchange Women's Kit much more than I like the men's. And I think those oh. those purple and pinky colors make it better. And if I was a man, I'd be jealous of that kit. It's got nothing well, to do with femininity. I well, think that's, that's creating stereotypes. No, 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 so, no, 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 yeah. no, no. It's not creating stereotypes. It's just drawing down on stereotypes. Well, I, do, Where, well, that, I, I will so, say, Ned, that's yeah. a, the women's kit for Bike Exchange is much better than the men's kit. The men's oh, I, kit no, is terrible. No, two things. The, the, I would completely agree with you on that, yeah. on that point. And if I were to yeah. want to wear one or other of those kits, I'd definitely choose the pink kit. Yeah. Mm. Right? The, and, the, and the blue kit is, is crap. But the, the differentiation is the point I'm, try, I'm trying to make. You know, it's like, mm. it's, it's um, um, what do you call them? Um, what do they call them in America where they gender reveal parties or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy old-fashioned thinking. And, it, you know, mm. which isn't to say that the pink and purple isn't nice. The blue is terrible. But anyway, I just but think it's, I, I I think just it's say, a disappointing I, concept. I, I, don't, I, I think it's obviously the teams are now, it's great that these teams are, to a certain degree, being forced but buying into creating their subsidiary women's teams yeah because they're subsidiary projects that are uh, they're lost they're so lost leaders they're lost leaders they're lost leaders for the teams which does mean I'm just scrolling down this article david mm. trek segafredo have got a men's and women's team and they've mm. announced their kits mm. in parallel you know trex is the same as it was last year it's got a kind yeah. of predominantly red stripe and the, the the women's team is 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 the same blue as bike exchanges blue which is clearly supposed to you know so yeah that's a more inventive way of using color to my mind and by the way the trek kit looks great the women's the women's so so i guess this is always and this is what we've done with with chapter three is it's it's not your decision that you're a man yep so because all our stuff for women is designed by women and we we have a we have a 300 test pilot group yep and who define what we do and you'd be surprised how the colours are often very feminine. Okay. All right. And well, if that's the case, so then... No, just, no, if that's the case... Uh, yeah, no, that's fair enough. And like I say to you're, you... You're, you're taking your position on it. And I... But I, I if think, I had... I think if, it's... So I, I think, I think my point... So just to go back. My, so I think, yeah. I think the issue comes with the differentiation, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, I'm looking at a picture of them. The two of them, yeah. um, a, a male rider and a female rider, side by side. Yeah. He's in the blue and she's in the pink. And it seems like something from the 1970s to me. Oh, God, no. I, if, I look at that you... and I think, I think the woman's got the better kit. <laughs> well, I agree. No, I agree. Better design. So you asked me my, my opinion as a kind of okay. a, as a designer oh. and kind of as a kind of thinking well, I don't, in I mean, the way listen, I, I think. Um, so yeah, I don't, don't want to fall out with you. I don't want to fall out with you. I don't put, put, that would be I don't put politics. Plan. I don't put politics onto colours. Okay. Like I'm a very much aesthetic kind of. And I think that the... I know you are. Yeah. What? Because what was it's it you told me about kit. last time? It was the Hermes yeah. crocodile skin Hermes. handbag. Crocodile skin. Yeah. The, the Birkin bag. Yeah. Yeah. The Birkin. I just bag. think yeah. everyone no, overthinks know, these yeah, things. It just overthinks. It's not. It's not politics. It's bike racing. It's what looks good. 
and the women's yeah. kits look better than the men's kits. And because yeah. and oh, no, that I means the designers, yeah. the designers can do it because it's they're allowed to do more cool stuff with the women's kit than they can with the men's. They so couldn't here's the thing. put those colours on the men's kit because I, that have would you be heard, bad. T- trying to move the yeah. debate on a bit. Have you mm. heard of... You've, we've spoken about her in the past, I'm sure. You've the dart player Fallon Sherrick. No, the great fem- name. The female, the, the princess yeah. of the palace. So she, over the last couple of years, has been regularly beating the very best men's dart players oh, in the we world. Spoke on, on the big, briefly yeah. before, so yeah. yeah. So Fallon didn't have a great world championship this year. It's just come to an end. But Fallon's darts shirt, because all the darts players have this big yeah. identity thing going on. They have their, their look. Mm-hmm. They're a bit like superheroes, you know. Yeah. They have their identifiable. Fallon's darts shirt is very pink. Like, it's super pink. And she's got long blonde hair that she kind of stacks up yeah. tall and everything. She's she's an amazing woman, Fallon. Um, and it's a cool shirt, actually. I like it. But mm. the, the for me, the litmus test of how far we've come is whether or not we'll ever see the darts crowds and the, and the hordes of people who mm. buy the replica shirts and everything, the blokes mm. buying into that and actually dressing themselves in Fallon, Sherrick, pink replica shirts and if that happens then brilliant and if you're right which i suspect you might be about the bike exchange kit Mm. and that the cool one is the pink one Mm. then they need to start making it in men's sizes so that men can buy it yeah and then actually do you know what and do you know what the men's team need to race in the same colors because it's the better it's the better design it's a better design yeah, so there we go. So that's so we are so, kind of agreeing that we like the pink, yeah. but oh, the pink so because better. the pink is better than the light blue. The mm. pink should just be the colour for the team. Yeah, yeah. It's, there I we guess, go. Yeah. So we've kind of bashed yeah. it around and uh, in our little two man focus group. We should just have a one focus group. Two, yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. So we got we got this kit launching for chapter three in March, which is the most beautiful and feminine kit. You. No one's done it before. And it was kind of led, it was a whole women design team that had to do it and did it. And I said, I don't have anything to do with it. You guys do it. And it's over the top feminine. It's crazy. How do you mean? How do you mean? It's, it's Chanel inspired. It's incredibly flattering. It's, it accentuates the figure of the female. It's harks of fashion and style and nothing to do with it. And we've tested it, not tested it, asked a few people, women to wear it or they've done, this is the whole team that do it. And when women put it on, it's so feminine. They say, I feel empowered because I feel like a woman. I feel like a woman when I wear this. I don't feel like a man. And I was like, well, there you go. We are asking men to wear men's stuff. Women do actually like to wear stuff that is designed for them. And the color can be different and the shape can be different. It's not to say we're belittling them. It's to say they do have a totally different aesthetic to us. And they, it, it, it's wonderful. And it's a much better aesthetic than ours. It's well, certainly than mine. So I'm a huge fan for femininity <clears throat> and the colors and the, the shapes. Yeah. And so I don't think we should, we should say it's bad that women have to wear pink or we're putting that on because it's not at all like that. No, but again, well, uh, listen, I won't rake over old coals, but I think you might have missed my point about the the, the need to have it. Anyway, whatever. We've we've gone over that. Um, so, uh, so that's about that. Yeah, that's, what else did we have? Pretty much. Well, I think, I'm not sure we had much else, did we? 
We spoke. Mm. Oh, I was just gonna. We had a little bit of listener interaction. Oh yeah, we had some but it was, predictions. It was, to be honest, it was it was it was mildly disappointing and a little bit sad. <laughs> um, They're the best uh, ones. I, like you know, there's this clamour from all our many many listeners to sort of get involved and all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, oh, another one's just landed on email actually. So I oh really? Can't tell you Fresh. what that is yet. So so. Well, I'm just going to play it in at the end and we'll see what it is in the end. So but we had two. One came from Gavin Brown. And this is rather rather gloomy. Gavin Brown, this was his random and hopeless prediction for 2022. Ned locked away, isolating commentary. Covid at the tour. So Gavin, frankly, has predicted that I'll just be commentating from covid isolation in 2022 no that's not gonna happen to you twice ned you did it you, you've had the most brutal isolation i know i think in flanders my flandrian isolation in a loft yeah, a, a flanders loft like i said i've kind of yeah. scrubbed that out of my my memory banks mm. um and ellen webster made uh, this hopeless and random prediction for 2022 as well hi ned and david ellen here happy new year to you both my prediction is that you won't play this prediction. So, we Ellen, that wrong. we've totally proved that wrong. Smash that out of the park. Mm. You have been played out to a, an audience of um, many um, on on Never Stray's Far, and um, this is the one that this is the random thing here because I can't. I've got no means of live playing this in. So, just on trust, um, this is Andy Graves' um, forecast for twenty twenty two. We'll listen to this. And then David and I, at the end of this, are going to react to it as if we've just heard it, mm. even though we haven't actually heard it. So they could have just, Andy Graves could have just slagged us off massively and said something entirely inappropriate. There is a cycling podcast that requested a random forecast. But my fortune telling is not that compelling. And to be honest, I couldn't be asked. Well, that was Andy Graves' contribution. Thanks, Andy. Um, and David, I think uh, I think he's got. A, yeah. I think he's got a point. I mean, I think it's. I think he's got. He's got a wonderful point. Yeah. I mean, I, I. I can hear where he's coming from. So can I. And Except, yeah, yeah. At the same time, you know, you got to walk in a man's or a woman's shoes to to really. Yeah, there's a lot of assumptions about. being made there by Andy, I think. And um, yeah. you know, but he's bang on. You know, it's beautiful what he said. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful accent yeah. as well. Yeah, I like, lovely I like, accent. Lovely yeah. accent. Very nice voice. Mm. Just the tones. Mm. Of it. Not quite Tom Moriarty. No, but no one's not quite Tom Moriarty. No, oh, do you want to talk about voice? Uh, yeah. So when I picked up Harvey from mountain biking today, I was listening to Christian van, van der Velde on a, uh, on a I podcast. Love Christian, I love Christian van der Velde. Oh, I love Christian van der Velde. Nice so fourth on, the tour, he fourth on the tour de France. Fourth on the tour de France. I was with him. I still remember that. It was just magical. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Harvey jumped in the car and the podcast was still playing. And I was putting Harvey's bike on the back and I got back in and Harvey said, daddy, who's that? And I was like, it's Christian van der Velde. He's like, I love his voice. I love his voice. And he's eight years old, little Harvey. And I was like, and I was like oh, that's daddy's friend. I, I'll, I'll introduce you to him one day. But it was, you could hear it and it's just got that really deep yeah. sort of, American. he's got a lovely voice, Christian. Oh, American. He's the most American but, voice in the world. Also, don't you think Americans just sound like they know what they're talking about? 
even when they don't know oh, what they're he talking does. about. Because they, and he's got they great hair. Of, got good hair. But they also just, like, I don't know, they, they're made for broadcast, aren't they? They're fit for broadcast yeah. at birth. You know, should we, get, should we get Christian training. on? We can get Christian on there. We'll just get, on the next pod, let's get Christian on. Get Christian on, then get Tyler Farrar for Never Strays Farrar. Because I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna relent. Okay. On that one. Well, let's get um, Krishnan on because yeah. that will be the kind of the domino the that hook. begins the hook. The yeah. hook. Because then we can get Ryder Heshadal. Oh, we'll get Zabriskie. We'll get Zabriskie. Yeah. Zabriskie can do a show tune. Wow. Oh, Zabriskie would be amazing, actually. Zabriskie would be amazing. Yeah, he could do a poem. Might as well go for Floyd. Yeah. If we get Zabriskie, we've got Floyd. And then get you know Floyd where on. we're ending up. Lance. <laughs> Eventually, all roads lead oh. to Lance. <laughs> all right i better get this edited don't yeah. i yeah oh by the way should we just play should we play out with tom's poem again yeah we should conclude it wrap it up all right tom do you think good luck nando's with Longfellow. Janus am I, oldest of potentates. Forward I look, and backward, and below. I count, as god of avenues and gates, the years that through my portals come and go. I block the roads and drift the fields with snow. I chase the wild fowl from the frozen fen. My frosts congeal the rivers in their flow. My fires light up the hearths and hearts of men. <laughs>